Life is full of surprises. Consider the fate of this creature's poor mother. Struck down in the fourth month of her maternal condition by an elephant, a wild elephant. Struck down on an uncharted African isle. The result is plain to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the terrible Elephant Man Welcome to another episode of Framerate, our film discussion series uh, available exclusively on Patreon. We are releasing one a month now. We're sort of, or we will be, we're going to be phasing it out in terms of it being free. And it's going to go exclusively behind behind a paywall. Today I have a, a, a guest and a friend on, Mark Deckard. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk about a film that you and I have been discussing. Um, and as we were discussing it, I thought, let's talk about this movie and record a, a frame rate episode. And typically with frame rate, it's myself, my partner, Patrick, and my other partner, Dan. Um, but for this one, I just felt like it was right that myself and my friend Mark talk about it. Mark has been uh, is a patron of the show. We've also, of course, met in person last year at our event in November, which feels like it was another world, another time, um, okay. for sure. But uh, there's a lot going on in the world, and we felt like this film was very timely. So the film we're going to discuss today is The Elephant Man, uh, directed by David Lynch, released in 1980, starring John Hurt, um, who plays John Merrick, who is The Elephant Man, um, based off a true story, true events, um, there's a lot going on in this story, but it's basically the gist of the story is, and we're going to get into it more, is uh, a man who is not seen as a man, who is not, no one looks at him and sees a human. They see him as a circus sideshow, which is exactly where we find him when the film opens as a circus freak. Um, but I'm curious for you, Mark, when was the first time you'd seen this film? The first time I had seen this film was... Uh... I think it was probably 2000, 2001. Um, Mulholland Drive just sucked me in. I don't know. It's still today one of the most fascinating and scary, and I, I still can't figure it out. But uh, I just started going down the list of uh, David Lynch films. Uh, got into Lost Highway, really enjoyed that. But when I found that, uh, you know, Elephant Man, I was, I, I was watching the behind the scenes for Silence of the Lambs, and Jonathan Demme said that film was what sold him on Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal Lecter. Um, and I was like, well, shoot, you know, I absolutely love that film and, and I love this director, let's give it a shot. And I can see why Anthony Hopkins uh, just, wow, he blew me away in that film. I mean, obviously John Hurt too, but um, yeah, just wow. And um, it had been a long time. You, you had mentioned maybe it's a, it would be a good one to discuss and man, it's, it's a perfect time to discuss this film, especially with what's going on right now and, and everybody trying to find their place in the world. Uh, this, this one was spot on, Jamie. 
Yeah, I, you know, again, I, I actually watched it again last night. I'd seen it before, but I felt like I need to watch this film one more time. I, you know, when I first, myself, when I first saw the film, it was in the 80s. I was a kid, um, or it might have been in the early 90s, I can't remember. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, look, this a film from 1940s. Like, I thought it was made in the 40s. I thought it was amazing. Um, it stayed with me. It has that uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame um, and Phantom of the Opera kind of feel to it in terms of a story of uh, a man who has lost his humanity and a, a variation on a theme in terms of um, the struggle to find to be seen as as human and to be and to be and also seeing yourself as human as well I mean that's um, the a real major theme is this man had been treated so horribly and so poorly by everyone that he had lost his own sense of humanity. He was just, this, when he's met by Anthony Hopkins' character, he's this silent-like beast, and he's scared to talk, he's scared to do anything, and um, it, it's, it's just so profound. And uh, I should back up and say that uh, this film does indeed star Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt, Anne Bancroft, John Gilgood, Freddie Jones, um, so many. Freddie Jones also was in David Lynch's Dune. I think he played Thufur. Um, and there's uh, uh, actually um, a guy from Star Wars is in this too. Uh, Kenny, what's his name? Let me see. He played. He was in the R two D two. Oh, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. That's right. Yes. So it's a star-studded film, but it's shot so authentically as if it was made in the '40s, and it's so such a again a a triumph of the human spirit. But what's interesting is I'm going to ask you, Mark. What did you first notice about the film when it first starts? Okay, when it when it first starts, um, like you, it, it does not seem like a film that was made in 1980. Um, it just doesn't. It seems so, it's like, wow, somebody had a, a high-def camera, essentially, back in the 40s to shoot this. I mean, it's so clear, yet it's so, I don't know, authentically representing that time frame, too, um, especially the the uh, world of medicine and stuff like that and and seeing the hospital where um uh, treves i believe his, his character's name is works yes, yes and um yeah just just that and um i i also noticed uh, a real big um and this is more towards the end of the movie but a real big tie-in to the power of of theater uh, of course back then it was live theater not film and the time period that it's discussing, but um, that that kind of gave me almost uh, that feeling that that his character gets at the end when he gets the standing ovation after the performance by Anne mm -hmm. Bancroft. It's like mm -hmm. this is I am so lucky to be able to have this medium and have theater essentially right here in my living room. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it just gave me that 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 sense of man, I don't want to take this stuff for granted. I mean that it's. It's so authentic. It just put me there. So yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to point out was the, in terms of the opening of this film. Right away, I was like, it, I, so we have the the film that brought you and I together, or films that brought you and I together as friends, are the Blade Runner films, and both Blade Runner films begins with an eye, and the Elephant Man begins with two eyes, um, the two eyes of his mother, and. Uh, I thought it was right. I mean, I don't remember. I didn't remember that opening. And so right when I saw it again, I was like, holy shit, here's this, here's this continuum of 
this idea of looking in someone's eyes. But what really is that? Does that mean? It means seeing people, seeing them, seeing their face, seeing their humanity before we engage our commentary on what their humanity might be, before we engage our commentary on who they, where they're from, who they were born from, where they live, where they grew up. We're seeing them as people, as humans. And so the camera begins right on his mother's eyes because we all have mothers and we've all looked in their eyes before, hopefully, you know, if, of course there are some tragedies where people have never met their mothers or whatever. Um, but I felt like it was really powerful to see the eyes of his mother in the beginning um, and it really spoke into his character. And there's a scene when Anthony Hopkins brings John Merrick to his house to meet his wife, who's, I can't remember the name of the actor's name. She's beautiful. She just glides down these stairs. And it takes, this film takes place in Edwardian period England. So it's like the turn of the century, essentially. It's like 1912, 1914. John Merrick, up until this point, had never, you know, the only people he had ever met were people who scoffed and laughed at him and made fun of him and tortured him and beat him and were horribly cruel to him. So he meets this woman who walks up to him without without any um, pause. And she goes right up to him, and she shakes his hand, and she's very kind and, kind. and then he starts weeping. He starts just weeping, and they're looking at him like, what's wrong? And he's like, I, you know, I've never met a beautiful woman who was so kind to me before. And, you know, I started tearing up again last night when I was watching it because it just spoke so loudly to me about this is what you do when you you see people's humanity first. Mr. Merrick, I'd like you to meet my wife, Anne. Anne, this is John Merrick. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Merrick. Well, I... 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 I just tried. I got used to be treated so well by a beautiful woman. Before you see their politics, before you see what their opinions are or hear what their opinions are, you see them as people. You see them, see them as human. And then you let that dictate how you treat them and it was a beautiful sight to see and then of course there's a scene in that moment later on where john shows anthony hopkins character's wife's his mother and they say oh your mother was beautiful and you can just see the love in john's eyes and his face for his mother um and the idea that she humanizes him, that, look, I have a mother. I am human. I'm just like you. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it just blows me away. Blows me away. It, it really, it really does me too. Um, you know, that that's kind of funny. I almost, because of the, uh, the back and forth of his mother falling and then the elephants, kind of that, that mosaic, because apparently she got trampled by elephants, right? Or um, that... I com I completely overlooked the eyes opening. So, you know, and, and as you were saying too earlier, this is about a quest of someone who has lost their humanity who finds it. And, and not just John Merrick, I think Dreves really does too. Yes, yes. Um, 
I, I was like, wow, how <laughs> that's a Blade Runner tie-in if I ever thought of one. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I love about that film so much. So, uh, yeah, spot on. I also thought right off the beginning that that word freak really jumped out at me. Um, it, it was just, it's like, okay, this is not a kind society. This is, this is some, a society that labels you know, people that are different as freaks and, and like to hear that. It's like, you know, I just thought, okay, this sets me up for the, for the time frame that I'm, you know, I'm going to see some stuff that w- is not okay by today's standards. It's really not okay at all. But back then, you know, what was socially acceptable uh, for how people treated one another or people who are different, it's just uh, makes me, makes me grateful uh, to, to be in a more accepting society, but also, kind of i can see some of the parallels where it's like yeah we still got some work to do if we if we really haven't evolved that much since then oh definitely and i think one of the reasons why i thought and we both were like no this is a timely episode but i think it's so important in the world that we live in today um where there's so much there's a civil rights movement happening there's a pandemic happening there's an economic collapse happening and we're in the middle of this and it's difficult i think it's difficult for all of us to retain our humanity and to um wake up in the morning and not think oh i need my opinion to be i need my opinion to be heard as opposed to how do i love people better today and i think that was the one of the lessons you know much like blade runner where you have uh rick deckard and roy batty and rick deckard's learning a lot from roy batty even and he doesn't really realize that he's learning a lot from Rebatty until the end and much like uh Treves and um John Merrick Treves is learning a lot about what it is to be human from this person who's not been treated as one he's seeing him in a different way he's seeing himself in a different way and it's this beautiful flower that's just unfolding and opening and that is what love does that really is what love does and I think in a time where obviously even people like you and me mark we don't agree on everything and we probably never will but you can find unity despite that and unity doesn't mean that you disagree unity means that we see our our humanity first and that's what we pivot around to engage in each other and we can be like oh well let's see what we can learn let's see what we can hear from each other and i think that was the beauty of of the elephant man was that treves despite him being this doctor the sort of suit in this in organization hospital environment whatever he ha- he had this willingness to find out what this man can learn he can learn from this man who has again not been looked at upon a man and even that there's a scene later on where Treves is talking with his wife and he's this is after John Merrick has been discovered and he's uh his, this, his discovery is being heard in English society and he's being visited by all these people. And um, But Treves, played by Anthony Hopkins, is like, am I no better than the circus? I'm just showing him off and all these people are coming to see him. How am I better than, than what he used to, the life that he used to live? But what was Im- Im- powerful for me about that moment was that Treves had the wherewithal to say, how do I, how am I different? How am yes, I better? It, How it am I helping? Awareness. You're right. You're yeah. right. It just, it's like, hey, he's catching himself on this stuff. And wow, man, knowing's half the battle. Got to quote G.I. Joe there, but shoot, that's, 
I also thought it was really powerful in the beginning that you don't see John Merrick in the full, that, yes. that Lynch, Lynch made, it, made it play off of Anthony Hopkins' face. And when I see those unblinking eyes filling with tears, it, it's just, I don't know, that really, that, that still sends chills down my spine. It's just, you know, that, that's, it cracked him, his curiosity to, to what can I do for this guy? And absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right in the front. He was also, you know, displaying in front of all the other doctors, and, and once again, we get it, uh, get the reactions playing off their faces. I just think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he goes from calling him an imbecile. And then uh, later on, you know, when he, when he finally tries to convince the uh, head doctor that, hey, this guy is uh, actually pretty smart. And um, he starts, when John starts reciting the psalm after oh both doctors God, are yes. like, no, he's, he's a wall. You know, he's just doing what you're telling him to say. And when he starts reciting that Psalm, I just, I wanted to stand up too. It's just mm-hmm. like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Show them you're more than a wall. I, I love that line. We'll show yeah. them you're more than a wall. Yeah. I love that. And that scene where he's reciting the Bible or the, the Psalm, um, that Psalm takes on such a pow- more powerful meaning. I mean, I'm not technically religious. I do have some spiritual beliefs about God and Jesus and that kind of thing, but I'm not a, like a religious person, quote unquote. Um, I don't really read the Bible. Um, but I felt like those words really became powerful words because what, whatever people believe about Jesus, whether he existed or not, his words were for people like John Merrick were for the least of these. And that's, those words were transformative. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He maketh me lie down. Well, it was a brave attempt, Jeeves, but the man was obviously simply mouthing words taught by you. Yes. Well, I'm sorry to have wasted your time, ma'am. He restoreth my soul. He simply doesn't belong here. He'd be much better off somewhere else where he could be constantly looked after. I'm sorry, Jeeves, that things have turned out this way. Good day to you. Yay! So I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for thou art with me. I rod and I start. Mr. Cargon? Yes, what is it? Stan. I didn't teach him that, huh? And mercy will follow all the days of my life. And I will in the house of the Lord. I love stories of um, the underdog. I love stories where you have to, you have to work to find someone's humanity. Um, but I also think what's really important is this is what happens when you rip humanity from people when you tear it from them and say, no, you're not like us, no, you're different, no, this is what we think. Um, it's, it's horrific. Uh, it does horrific damage to them. And the damage with John's disfigurement was more symptomatic. I mean, he obviously he had physical disfigurements and deformities um, from his birth, but all of that had manifested internally because of how people treated him. And I think it's important like, to... No, for me, a great lesson in this film was 
be careful how you treat people, even people you, you, you treat, even people you really disagree with, be careful how you treat them, be careful what you say to them, live in love, um, because they can internalize that. And that, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember, but in the a couple in the beginning, or maybe two thirds of the way in or a third of the way in, um, there's nurses in there trying to fix up his room. And they're like, no mirrors. Don't let them don't let him see his mirror. But I think the issue wasn't John's reflection. John know, knew what he looked like. The, what I think those mirrors were dangerous for was that those mirrors reflected the ugliness John felt for himself. And that was the most damage he had and he had um, experienced was that people made him feel ugly about who he was. And that's the worst thing that you can do as a human to other people. Oh, yeah. Rob them of their humanity. I mean, it was the way that he was with the the, um, the guy who essentially kidnapped him, uh, his owner, if you will, um, the way he was around him, completely dehumanized, completely just scared, um, off, off standish, not talking. Uh, it, it took him from a human uh, down to a creature, which is, you know, kind of what they wanted. And uh, just just seeing him him grow throughout the film, though, um, you know, it made me really think uh, one of the greatest human traits is one that you and I are engaging in right now. Just being able to talk to one another, being able to be heard, and that's that's powerful. I, I think that's what sets us apart. And if we use it right, like you say, not not to not to rob someone of their humanity, but maybe to help them see it. You know, I mean, wow, that. <laughs> What a role model for love, man. I just... Totally. And I think I always relate because I watch movies to learn about myself. I'm maybe different in that sense. Yes, I, I don't... It's hard. It takes me a while to find a movie. I'll turn or a series or whatever. I'll, I'll watch something for a little while and then I'll turn it off if I don't feel like it's engaging me in a way that I feel like is advantageous to me. Like, um, I'm very picky with what I watch. There are certain shit movies that I like to watch just because, you know, guilty pleasures or whatever. But I really seek to engage movies and stories and series where I can leave that feeling like, wow, that has really profoundly affected me, who I am today. And I think um, with what we're going through as a nation right now, um, certainly the whole world is going through a lot right now. But as what with what we're going through as a country, I think what's really important and I don't you know, I don't. We're all different. We're all going to do what we're going to do, but just give space to listen. Give space to honor someone's humanity, even if you disagree with them, even if you think they might be ugly on the outside. Be in a place where where you can say, you know what, I want to hear you right now. And curb your commentary and your, your opinions until after you've engaged your love. And I think that's what's so great about Treves is that he engaged his love and it was first it was this curiosity with John he was curious about John what is this person who is this guy and he met him and he was like again you saw that like you were describing you saw the tears well up in his eyes and you saw him staring at John but then something else clicked in with that with Treves and he started seeing this person well this this thing is a person and it really pushed itself over the edge when he brought John to meet his wife and the kindness that his wife showed him. And then Anne Bancroft played that actor um, who the door opened and she just was like, hello, John. There wasn't even a blink well, of her, her eye. smile when she yeah. comes in. Just wow. Yeah. I, it, 
it took my breath away. I was just yeah. like, that's how you greet somebody. Yeah. Just and then they're reciting Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. I love when she said the theater is romance. I just yeah. thought, wow. And she then she called him Romeo. She goes, you are Romeo. Um, it was again like. I, I love stories about the human spirit. I love stories about learning what kindness is. And this story is a moral tale for everyone in this world, um, regardless of skin color or political affiliation or country that you live in. How do you treat people? How do you treat people? Um, and that's a lesson that I can still learn. I, I try to live in love and be a diplomat and whatever, but I fail and we all do. But um, John Merrick, AKA the elephant man, was a huge test for a lot of people. What do you see in the, when you look at this man? Do you see ugliness? Because if you do, you're looking at yourself. If you see a man, then you're looking at a human. And that's, you know, that's something, certainly in the world that we live in, where we log on to social media or whatever, we see a lot of ugliness. You see a lot of people being ugly to each other. Um, but what are we going to choose to do? How are we going to choose to engage people. And I don't, I'm trying to, I don't want to be preachy. I'm not here to be preachy, but this is, I'm just describing to people how profound this movie is to me. And it, I think about movies that I love, like the Alien series or the Blade Runner series. These are, this is why I love these movies because it, it's taught me to be better. It's taught me, this is, you have to be a voice for the voiceless. You have to speak up for the meek. You have to not judge people by the way you see them. You have to not judge people, um, that might live a life differently than you or might choose to go protest or whatever or um and just hear people first and leave your judgments at the door and and john merrick is a a lesson for leaving your judgments at the door For me, I, I was thinking um, after watching that too is, you know, um, Anthony Anthony Hopkins was obviously very instrumental in, in giving him a, a full life and, and being his friend. Um, but it also made me think there's, I can try from the viewer perspective, uh, just like Treves is looking to kind of see, you know, the world through John's eyes. But the truth is, is I would never know what it's like to be John Merrick. Um, and I think that was one of the more profound lessons that spoke to me here recently in this is, you're right, you know, it's with the time that we're living in, it's so hard to leave your judgments at the door. And it's so hard to, to not kind of poke your opinion out there and stuff. But it, mm -hmm. it, it also did make me take a step back and say, before I judge, uh, I need to remind myself the only the only really worldview that I'm experienced with is my own. I do not know what it's like to be this person that I may disagree with, that I may, you know, see as as a faulty character or whatnot. Um, before I go down that road, if I can do that stop and say, hey, I don't know what the world is like through this person's eyes. And before I start judging or, or putting my opinion out, maybe I need to sit back and listen. Yes, and I, I would completely agree with you. Um, I think, uh, you know, well, uh, before I continue, I just want to say that 
The Elephant Man, released in 1980, was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It was obviously directed by David Lynch. I had no idea it was directed by David Lynch when I saw it. I had seen some of his films by this point. It's a very specific aesthetic. I was. I, I also knew Dune, and so then when I found out David Lynch directed, I'm like, which David Lynch directed this? It was a guy with the same name because it was so different. I think it's probably the best film of his career, to be honest with you. I mean, I know a lot of people love his cerebral, sort of wacky avant-garde chaotic films and shows and they're good for sure but for me this was david lynch's heart here's some trivia for you was produced by mel brooks we all know who mel brooks is he was a a, a producer and a director of comedy um but he went uncredited um but it was mel brooks who helped get this movie made and he inter was introduced to david lynch he didn't know who david lynch was he screened eraserhead and it, it kind of went from there and um again at the what i was saying is i don't really i didn't really know it was david lynch either um and when i found out i just was blown away um and it just spoke to me about david lynch's heart like who really a story a story that really touched david David Lynch's life enough to make this film, which I call a complete masterpiece. And so, yeah, there's just just a lot of really interesting uh, trivia attached. Anne Bancroft, I believe, was married to Mel Brooks. Unfortunately, Anne Bancroft uh, passed away a few years ago. Um, but just a lot of really great um, actors and people involved um, to really. And also, a couple other things. There were there are plays of. Uh, the Elephant Man that, you know, there was just recently a play in the UK back when theaters were open. Um, and this was not based off those plays. This story was based off the the book by Treves himself, Frederick Treves, who wrote a book. So they really based it off his life and accounts of his life. Um, so it was, from what I know, it was um, as as truthful as could be as as possible um i haven't seen the play i think you can watch it on youtube or something but uh and i know in the play the actors don't aren't in makeup they're just themselves and you so you're seeing you're you're being forced to see something that's not there which i think is an interesting take but of course in the movie you see john or you see john merrick in full you know disfigurement and it's a lot to behold um it's but i, I really again i think that they really did an incredible job um, and I think it's a film everybody should see. Oh, for sure. It's, um, I mean, the best films are the ones that remain timeless, speak to the human heart, and um, just really make you forget you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like it really takes you there. And you're right, Elephant Man is, is one of those films. Uh, interestingly enough, I think one of the other timeless films that comes to my mind when I think of even though this was made in this time period, it, it still kind of stands as timeless because they chose, you know, clothing that weren't specific to the time period. I think Silence of the Lambs was a lot like that too, uh, where it just, I mean, I don't know, some of the best films stand the test of time. And yeah, yeah for, for Elephant Man, I mean, as much as I love David Lynch's weird out there, you can't really figure it out. You could kind of take 15 different things from it. Um, this one, you're absolutely right. I got to agree with you. It would just, I mean, you, you can't not cry. You know? At least I can't. I can't yeah. not cry watching that film. Yeah. But if that, this film doesn't move you, then you're dead. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> May need a Voight Kampf test. <laughs> yeah, something. Um, what's interesting is when the film came out, it was, you know, mostly lauded, but Oddly enough, Roger Ebert, who has since passed away, he was a very big critic for many, many years out of Chicago. He gave the the film two out of four stars, and he didn't he didn't know what the film was trying to say. And I I, re I read that review, and I'm thinking now, like, how did you not know what this film was trying to say? How did you not know that this film is about what it is to be human and what it is to treat someone as a human? Um, and more importantly, again, uh, another theme of this film is calling other people into account when they don't see, treat people like a human and our role as people when we see that happening um sticking up for people loving people defending people even if we don't agree with them saying that is a human right there you can't treat them that way and that's also this i, I don't know if it's a theme but it's something that you see in in uh the film and one scene specifically when john merrick is kidnapped and returned to his circus owner and they're off in some other country i think they're in france or something and all of the other like the the giant and the the, the short the small people or little people as they like to be called um and all of the other people w involved in the circus go to the cage where he's at and they say we want to let you go we want to, we, we don't, like, none of them agreed. And they saw his humanity. They saw it. And they said, this is not right. This is not right. And they helped him to his freedom. And I thought that scene was like, for me, it was, oh, my gosh, it was like a, a religious experience. Uh, to, yeah. That, to me, I try to, that's that's my heart, like, speaking up and helping those who can't help themselves. I was also thinking too, um, the the building of the chapel sculpture that, that John was doing, like you see at the beginning of his evolution to, to being kind of more human is, is that he's got this artistic side. And then by the end of the film, you see that his chapel sculpture is complete. And, and he says it's complete, but it's kind of a metaphor too because he also says, my life is full because I know that I am loved. I have gained myself. I just, wow. That, that's, what more could anyone ask for in their life, you know? I have gained myself. I'm a person of worth, and, and wow, that just, uh, that yeah. still gets me, man. It's, it's powerful. It really is. That's how transformative love can be. And I think when, and I, again, I, whatever i don't really care what people think but um hopefully those who are listening like i really think that oftentimes the struggle of humanity is that people aren't being loved we're not loving people first we're loving our opinions of people first we're loving our commentary on what how people are living first and look at all the strife in this in this world um and when we don't love people we see them for who they are we don't treat them well we um or we don't speak up for them um and they're not treated well by other people. And then it becomes a systemic thing where people feel unloved. Uh, love is also part and parcel to justice. Justice is love. They work together. Um, and not only was John Merrick unjustly imprisoned as a circus sideshow, he was not loved. And when he found love, he found justice. And uh, those things always walk hand in hand. And for me, this film... Um, will 
you know, like I love like the Phantom of the Opera, which deals with a, another disfigured man, but unfortunately his disfigurement turned him into a monster. And I mean a monster as in a killer and um, a, a sort of a raving mad genius lunatic. And that's the other side of where that can go. You push people far enough and you make people feel unloved so much there's a breaking point and sometimes those breaking points are psychological or they can host violence and uh, the Phantom of the Opera is a story of violence essentially um, disfigurement leading to violence and then you see Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notre Dame and it's a, again a di- more of a it's more of a John Merrick story it's more of an elephant man story where he is being seen for who he is and not his disfigurement um, and I think a lot of us walk around with internal disfigurements um, because we've been convinced that's who we are. And love can change that. Justice can change that. So anyways, I don't want to be a preacher. I'm not trying to be a preacher. I'm just trying to let everyone know that this film is is really powerful for me. It's changed my life. It continues to change my life. And it's a good where we are in history right now in terms of the uh, civil rights movement that we're in and the epidemic that we're in. Um, maybe if it can help us love people a little bit better, see people a little bit better. You know, it's done its job. Yeah, thinking thinking of other people before ourselves. I mean, that's <laughs> that that would be incredible. Um, today in in the store, I was in a very long line, and the lady who was doing my grocery and checkout was pretty old. And my son said, "This is a long time, Dad." I said, "Well, unfortunately, nobody's helping her out." And really, I you know, she's doing the best she can. And man, if I can do that in the middle of a crazy shopping experience, I, I, I'm on the path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm on the path. Totally. And you know, one of the, we'll never be perfect, but I think it just takes the removal of ego. It just takes the removal of pride. And that's something we have to work on every day. Um, that really, when we can say that we're fallible, we're actually empowering us to do more because nobody has ever been perfect and nobody will be perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about doing what's good and what's right and what's just. And, um, it's just something we have to, it's like a mantra. We have to, it's self work. And, uh, right now we're the country that we live in. The USA is in the middle of some really heavy self work. Um, and it's sometimes it can be ugly, but I think like you just described those moments of humanity priceless. It's priceless. That's why we're here. Yeah, and and honestly, just like you told me the other day um, on that phone call, there there is a, a very, very, very bright side to what we're seeing go down right now. Because, I mean, without talking to people and really keeping those relationships intact while the world does what it's doing, um, I, I could just see doom and gloom. And mm-hmm. like, when I talk to you and I talk to other friends, it's like, no, no, we're all we're all going through this thing together, and uh, there's going to be something great on the other side. So absolutely, and I I don't know if I said this to you, but I really believe when light battles dark, it doesn't look like light; it looks like dark um, because it's a tough battle, and uh, especially for all of us caught in the middle of it, um, the battle between good and evil. And I don't want to be general in those terms, but the battle between ideals or or progress or change is never pretty. It's never easy. Um, and it can be confusing sometimes what's what, but, uh, that's the, that's the, that is the role of light 
to weed out the dark and that's what's happening right now um and i uh, I, I think it's a very exciting time it's also very scary too for sure um i can imagine when this country was fighting for its freedom from england when who knows you know you thought when you know um in france they were fighting for reform and all of those things um was dirty and it was messy and it was ugly and people were killed and hurt and um people were angry and violent um but the other side of that was freedom and justice at least walking towards that so we're on a good path even if it doesn't feel good right now and i feel like to bring it back to the elephant man you want to find your humanity are you at a place where you can look at yourself watch the elephant man you won't be disappointed no, for sure. That 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 film acted like a mirror to me. It, it like John said, he he gained himself. That's that's how I feel a little bit closer to that after after watching a film like that. Just absolutely. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of Frame Rate. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, as always, uh, we'll be releasing another episode we try to release two episodes a month if this is the episode that's free i'm not really sure um feel free to sign up you can start at two dollars a month um all of your patronage goes towards our shows audio dramas equipment monthly fees all of those types of things so we're honored to our patrons for um which includes mark um thank you for thank you guys for what you do thank everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back soon Never, oh never, nothing will die. The stream flows, the wind blows, the cloud fades, the heart beats. like to listen to all of our reviews go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support and sign up to become a member our membership monthly subscriptions start at just two dollars a month for those of you who already support us via patreon we thank you